He's allegedly Tyler Sigmund. He's allegedly Kier Myron. And what's today's chase? Well, I can tell you what today's chase isn't. But I can tell you what the problem is. And the problem is we've been getting many emails to thechasecast at gmail.com asking, who are we? Uh, well, that's exactly what this chase is, but the chase that it's not today is the like cast, or the like chase, because I listen to the others, and I say like a lot. So today, you can hold me accountable, less likes um, in this Well, cast. no, we want more likes. Well, more likes More likes of public social networks. Yeah, but I'm but not allowed to you... say the word. In fact, I can't even say it now. It's struck from my memory. Okay. So now I might say it. Cause now you we... can say it as much as you want. I mean, the, the users have a primal... They've been mean on those emails, so we're, we're listening to the feedback. We're we're yeah, responding, just, and and if you do want to send a question to the email, the chasecast at gmail.com. No spaces, no caps. Not that it matters. No spaces, no cap. Yeah, you don't even need the dots. Gmail's smart. I like that. Like they just take out the dots. Like if your name is joe.smith at gmail.com, um, that's the same as joe smith at gmail.com. It's intelligent. Uh, it's kind of weird. It's like syntax shouldn't matter. Maybe if Google was in charge of writing, then there wouldn't be punctuation. But syntax does matter on questions. You need to have question in the subject line or we're not going to see it. And that's how we're filtering out um, spam. Well, at least a question mark in the body would help as well. Because you know how when people ask questions like, what is your name, period? You're like, wait, is that a statement? or? Well, that's a good point. I mean, maybe we'd want to honor things that aren't questions. But anyway, getting back to the cast of today. Yeah, this isn't the question. This isn't the email uh, format cast. Chase, Chase. Yes. But uh, if you've listened this long, we want to thank you. Three three episodes in, you're a veteran. Um, so on this fourth fourth episode, we thought we would discuss a little bit about who we are and because well, at this point, we would hope that some of you are not our close friends and family. Yeah, exactly. I mean, hi, mom. She knows she knows who I am, but she knows what a podcast uh, is. She probably does. She got an iPhone last year, and she's, you know, like, all over it. Like, you yeah. know, she's inseparable. But um, she's all, probably listening to knitting casts all over the place. All computer uh, tech support that I and my father did as a kid yeah. or growing up, that's all phone tech. Like, like mm-hmm. now when I go see my grandmother, it's like, I don't understand how this Android phone works. And I'm like, it doesn't work exactly like mine, but let's figure it out. <laughs> um, but one thing we do need to figure out is who is Tyler Sigmund? Who is Tyler Sigmund? Human. Yes. Canadian citizen? No. Um, Can- a, a citizen of certain countries that have been less popular in the news in, in recent days, but just south of Canada, but don't go all the way to Mexico. So you have Canadian citizenship? Negative. I'm a Canadian immigrant. Permanent resident. Sorry. Permanent resident. I'm allowed to stay here and work and soak off the Canadian economy. And reproduce. And reproduce, yeah. I can, I can, yeah, I can make things that stay in Canada. And where were you originally from? Uh, Boulder, Colorado. Is there any, all designers I've met or worked with have been American and from Colorado? It's just a requirement. And, and Is that's, it a hotbed? That's, it's an absolute hotbed of something, I guess, liberal activity, who knows. But, uh, which brings us actually to the bird's eye view of, I'm a game designer, you're a, uh, professionally a programmer. Professionally I like to consider myself a game developer. Uh, okay. Just to most people, that's what I say. Because um, I think it solves a lot of questions. Such as? Like, when I say I'm a programmer, they have no idea what I do. Oh, okay. 
but a game developer, people understand that? They understand I develop games. Okay, yeah. It's it's more of a uh, descriptive, an action and a subject. Yeah, well, I mean, even you know through game design, a lot of the time you're not designing things, you are just hooking things up. Like, oh, they I, give you a scripting... I thought you were going to bag on me and say a lot of times as a designer you're not designing something, you're drinking coffee or just sitting around. Well, no, but I mean, say. like, you... you as a designer, if you get tasked with, like, okay, decide what color the character is going to be. Well, well that'd be an artist. Yeah. But, but I mean, actually hooking it up is yeah. not design. That yeah. is the actual implementation, which is mostly what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah, developer, uh, developer, I guess, yeah, there's a little bit more maybe mystique in there. What do you develop? Like, yeah. what kinds of things? And, um, people that don't know, they might think you're developing the properties from the ground up. Like if you're in the movie development business, that's a totally different thing. Yeah. So you can maybe, you know, get a little extra cred there when you're, when you're talking to people who don't know. Um, but together, yeah, we, uh, we both worked on a number of games. Uh, we obviously have, you know, as no shortage of game opinions around the world, but, um, I think that the root of this podcast really is that, we love the inner workings of games, and we've worked on a bunch of games collectively. I mean, some together. How many games have we worked on together? Um, well, I'm going to play the angry spouse card. Or <laughs> you mean add, add up uh, the games you've done individually, me done no, individually, no, and that's no, together? Games that we have both touched. Games that we both touched. Oh, man. Well, if you've worked for any length of time in the video game industry, uh, generally you always have to clarify whether you count games that never were released or published because there's games that had a name okay games that had a name so is that like i think that you don't the name point. the baby till it's out and then it has a name yeah yeah and it might not make it yeah a lot of them don't yeah um games we're talking about thanks to first world healthcare uh the other thing is going pretty well but um okay let me think well you know the granddaddy of them all of course horde Hordes of the granddaddy of them all. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's uh, uh, it, it's a favorite on my list. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, no. So we worked on Horde. So what? It you started on Horde earlier than me. Yeah. You, yeah, you I were... started on it a little bit earlier, I guess, than technically most people, because it started as a board game before it made its way to a video game. How far did it get along as a board game? Uh, that was one. Well, I don't want to push that other analogy we were just using, but let's just say that. Uh, that one was aborted. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, I made two video game prototypes. and Or, sorry, two board game prototypes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And both of them were not very fun for, for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, I did it. Uh, you can probably find. I did, I did a talk at GDC last year, 2012, um, about the root of Horde's development and talked in a little more detail about, yeah, the first board. Basically, the first board game wasn't very fun. And the second one was fun, but... Totally didn't need the dragon theme, and uh, was just not really the right thing. It was really abstract. So then it, it just got shelved for a long time. And uh, you you had that concept, and yeah, that was, manifested into into a real great prototype. Yeah, like a little digital. Um, I made it up in Game Maker, which you know has gotten a lot of press lately with Hotline Miami and Gunpoint games that were actually made in Game Maker and released and made zillions of dollars. And I want to say um, it's on Steam. Horde is on Steam. Not Horde, Game Maker. Uh, Game Maker you can buy on Steam, yeah. Yeah, it's well. one of the few apps. But, and you can buy it um, from their from YoYo Games directly, or you can um, yeah get it on Steam, which is kind of cool because it's got some integration. And um, 
But anyway, uh, this podcast, however, was not sponsored by Game Maker as much as it may seem during this, if you tuned in during this minute. Nor Horde. Nor Horde. That's correct. Um, um, so anyway, we worked on Horde. Yes. Uh, we worked on... In which I programmed, I came in, and my role was kind of just to continue whatever Tyler was doing. I mean, well, you, the team you was were, doing. No, but like, kind of like more, it was very, a, a very collaborative role, cause you basically got the game somehow scripted and running. <laughs> and we, and I came well, in, and then I added to it and organized things, and. Well, yeah, I mean. Did it, other things as was, well, but we were very. It was a big sandwich production, we, we, uh, you know, I did some prototyping just in Game Maker to get the the game sort of sold into into development, and and then uh, and then it was just a whole team thing. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. and you and the other programmers, everybody, the artists, and yeah, and so yeah, we we worked on Horde, which I think was, I mean, a lot of fun. I know we had a lot of fun together on it, so and that's uh, the most fun I've had in game development, which is part of the reason why I used that term was expoing impacts. Oh yeah, like that was mind blowing, terrifying going in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But that was really fun, and that has nothing to do with our trades. Uh, like, it, no, but it has to do with kind of the like reason you, we do it. Too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, is is uh, it's really fun to go. You don't get a lot of opportunities to have direct experience with with fans, fans. and consumers. Yeah, and that was one of the neat things about Horde being basically published by us directly. The the company was, you know, a lot of times I've worked on lots of games where it's published by a big publisher, and unless. You know, unless you're in certain roles, you don't have a lot of contact with with uh, fans. So there's yeah. like front lines, like, people coming up with scowls on their faces, and they either like it or you know, and leave and, with a smile or or move on. And th- that was pretty fun. And it was just super fun because everybody who wanted to be involved was involved, and it was like, I mean, as a programmer, I don't get a lot of, I'm not usually the press <laughs> a lot of contact, time. right? Yeah. So like actually getting to just the talk to guy. people and and game press, hand out buttons, don't hand forget. out buttons, like doing. I mean, though. I mean, there were some hard parts of expoing yeah. before and afterwards, but maybe we'll leave that for another another time. So yeah. we're counting Horde as one. Yeah, we're counting Horde as one, despite uh, the fact you know coming out separate platforms. But that you don't want to pad your stats, right? You're like you know, people are like, "Well, I worked on three games: Horde well, PC, Horde you know PS3, well, that, that's and Horde is like PSP." As a programmer, that kind of matters. Horde back. Like me being like Horde worked on PS3. And PSP and PC, and that was on Mac and yeah, um, Windows. I guess it matters. Steam. It matters for skill set. Even but, even if I didn't necessarily had have the most like um, actual write down into the guts oh, yeah. of the computer, the yeah. hardware tasks. It does like as programmers, like the more devices. Definitely sounds better. It sounds like one of those crazy LinkedIn uh, recommendations where you can recommend someone say, or not recommend, <laughs> but um, endorse. You say, I endorse them for PS3. It's yeah. like, what does that even mean? It's like, does it mean they like it? They played it? They know everything about it? You know, it, it, it's, if well, I endorse you for PS3, does it mean you can get down to the, you know, the base assembly level coding on it? It's just such a weird, vague endorsement, you know? Yeah, I do find it's like that. endorsing I- someone for books. I do find that funny just because it's so the way it's designed is very appealing to click it. Like I'm not usually one to just click yeah. random stuff. Like I'm usually like, oh, I don't want to like this. Mm-hmm. I don't want this to show up on my feed. But there's just something about it that when I see it, and it's like, hey, does Tyler Sigmund know about board games? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> or I endorse that he says he knows about board games. Yeah, it, um, it is smart. I like I like the system. They're kind of gamifying it in in a real like tangible way now. Um, but anyway, yeah, so then, I mean, let's not forget, well, you know, 
should it be named, but but uh, Sky Pirates, Sky Pirates um, in yeah. its many forms. And Only Sky- the Wii version for me. Uh, what? You weren't DS? No, um, I was. I was. I worked very shortly on Sky Pirates. Okay. Well, there's a there's an amazing. You know, Sky Pirates DS is probably it's definitely the best game I've worked on that has never come out, and that's not a backhanded compliment. It's it's uh. It's a heck of a game, and it never it never saw the light of day, which is a bummer. Well, it's, but um, it's kind of saw that's the video saw the light of the day in a different way. Well, no, it was never published. I mean, yeah, Sky Isn't Pirates there, itself, a Sky Pirates Facebook game. Yeah, but the, but everything's a bit different. Like, um, it's not like the actual game you're working on, but it, it is. Yeah, it's the same general IP, yeah. or whatever. So, uh, shout out to all the Sky Pirates people still working on various versions. Good, you know, um, wish them the best. But we worked on a few of those. Yeah, uh, we worked on what? What else am I missing here? Oh well, um, well the latest game we worked on Nitro. Nitro for um, for iOS for iPad, which and is a, a racing game. Um, and uh, yeah, we worked on that. So uh, that's a few games we've had. So at least two released games. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think where where we really got to know a lot about each other's game playing habits, which is probably some of the roots of this podcast, is playing playing horde through development, and you know, getting you schooling me during competitive matches, and then you know, you know, we talk about sometimes there are different perspectives of playing games, and just your like competitive. 100% whatever it takes, you know, seeing through to, to, uh, you're very good at like those things, right? Well, I don't really see the point in playing a one-on-one game and trying to do anything other than win. Yeah. Like the way that game is, it's one person wins and one person loses. Yeah, so, but you were, yes. you were always really good at seeing through to exactly, you know, yeah, exactly what it would take to the, the old, you know, one one point denied me is is as good of a point for you. And we yeah. talked about that before yeah. in previous cast. And it, it's also just interesting, like playing a game during development. Yeah, like just stuff might change. Like your your strategies are no longer yeah. valid, and and whether that might affect game design. Yeah, like oh, he's they're only doing this one thing. Yeah. And or like yeah, it, it definitely. There's times it's hard. You go back. You say I could go back and just completely neutralize his strategy through tweaking the files. But wait, mm-hmm. is that really good for the game? <laughs> yeah, I, I have to say I think I was pretty good. I never. I should have played a trick on you guys one day and just rolled out a ridiculous tune. You know, like like disable almost everything except for secretly put everything on one power up, and then I just go around using that. But I never did that stuff. I guess I was too busy. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I'm a designer by trade. You're a programmer by trade. Although yeah. uh. You know, we both. I mean, I think we both have a I love mean, you did of, a lot game of programming on on Horde. I did a lot of poor, yeah, poor well, programming. Uh, although, yeah, I, I'm I'm proud. I did the it's not like the Dragon AI and stuff like that. Yeah, but, like um, the, no, but but you know, but even then, like you've like even when we work together, you've just kind of been like I don't know, just put something in and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And at a point, there's a little bit of design there too. Oh wait, yeah, don't uh, don't. Let the secret of designers out. I talk to people all the time that it's funny that, um, you know, lots of colleagues like to yeah. bag on designers because there's so many bad ones. Um, and they always say, yeah, like every designer just says, well, just make something and then I'll tweak it, you know? And I'm like, I'm not that guy though. Yeah. So don't throw me into that box. Well, no, but I mean, but, there has been times where. Yeah. Well, sometimes you gotta do it. Yeah, well, you gotta I like, just. I like to think of it as spreading the creative wealth too. You know? Yeah. So, and yeah. that's also kind of the funny thing about like, if you work with a, Timid. I mean, I experienced this a lot in school because I went to I went to game programming school 
at the Art Institute of Vancouver. And that's crazy, just for the record. Like when well, I, actually, it was visual. When I went to university, I wish I could have gone to game development university, but and, they didn't uh, exist. It was funny, like, because I know there was parts where I was in a group in the game design class with two other designers, and if you're a strong speaker and they don't really want to contribute, mm-hmm. you can just kind of get Take your, over. get your designing in there. Yeah. Like, you just have the opportunity. Yeah. Like, it's kind of funny where you'd almost rather work with a, like, if, if they're not going to make great decisions, you'd almost rather them be like, I don't know, what do you guys think? Yeah. And you just throw out ideas, and it's just more of a collaborative uh, system. Yeah. Which is extremely fun. Um, That's funny. So, yeah, what got you into... Um, so, I mean, you, yeah, what got you into game development? Did you always know you wanted to get into game development? Or what? Um, I was, and what was your entry into the industry? I had, um, I had like a computer class in high school and I was messing around with Flash. I mean, I always liked games. I was mm-hmm. kind of pretty technically capable and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you but, weren't like programming from the age of three? No, no. I mean, like I was making these weird, dyna- like interactive Flash things in grade 11 and 12. And then somebody from AI came and said, hey, you can make games if you want. We got this program. <laughs> and I was, that, that kind of, I had kind of a thing where I realized that, okay, so at lunch, all I want to do is talk about games. I go home after, after school and I watch game journalists and play <laughs> games. And that's pretty much all I do when I'm like, free time is games. So it kind of made sense that working in games, Finding them interesting would be, mm-hmm. uh, which would make sense. And having a relatively good math and physics background, it kind of fit yeah. better in programming. I actually went to the school and asked, like, they, I wasn't even sure what I wanted to take. Because I had mm-hmm. a design program and they had a programming program. Mm-hmm. And the programming one was more difficult to do because you actually, like, a lot of those design schools, you can just kind of get yeah. pushed through. Yeah, like they're not going to fail you because it costs so much money. It's yeah, private it, it's school. a private like, business. They and and they'll know that things will sort themselves out in terms of you know there will be good grads and they'll get jobs and then there's people that just aren't applying themselves or don't yeah. have the talent and they'll you know have an interesting time and then be on to the next thing in life, right? And really, with those schools, I, I feel like it is about you, like going there and, and applying yourself. Yeah. Like, yes, a lot of people don't get jobs. After going to that school, even though they're getting kind of guaranteed jobs, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of them can be successful if they apply themselves and, and learn oh, yeah. what they need to learn. Um, I think that's kind of like any other field, too, in, in the sense of, I mean, there might be high graduation rates, say, from a big university, right? Mm-hmm. Or, sorry, high employment placement rates. But is everybody getting a job doing the thing they want to do? Yeah. Probably not. They're just getting jobs. You know, and so really the rule of thumb anywhere is... It's on you. Like, don't expect to go into something and have some, you know, to be taught and and learn something without your effort and then land in a perfect gig. You know, it's really about making the best of the situation. So if you're going to pay that money and go to school, you should be busting your ass because, I mean, you're... Like, you're spending a lot of money to go to those schools. That's your steam catapult launch off the aircraft carrier. So it's up to you to fly after that point. And you're also kind of, like, at least I was looking at, like, betting against university. Because, I mean, with programming, you can get a computer science degree, which is a degree that makes sense to a lot of people, and they understand yep. what you can do. So you can use that to go into other places. Yeah. And I was betting, like, I don't really want to work at a bank. I'm just going to go to this school real quick. As long as I get a job in the next two and a half years after graduating, I break even. Okay. And uh, So you didn't program at all. I think that's interesting that... Uh, 
because most most people I talk to programmers and even myself actually like I programmed on gosh early stuff like TIs and Atari 400s and things like that and then of course leading into Commodore and various things but yeah I think it's interesting that you didn't really program until maybe late high school and then you're you're you know then you've landed and you've really taken to it so well and, so. I, and I didn't even really know what it is because mm. it it varies so much from project to project and yeah. and you might think it's all technical challenging mm-hmm. and then you, it actually ends up being more of a stylistic like readability skill oh, which yeah. is what I'm finding now and like logic. after I've gotten a little bit of experience it's less about like you're not actually writing that complicated a code what you're doing is writing code that can change or people can read or mm. somebody quits and you need to go pick up their stuff and hopefully they organize it in a way that makes sense um but uh yeah so i went to i went to the art institute we had a they had like a graduating project mm-hmm. um which was really ridiculous because there's 17 programmers oh. uh five artists and four no sorry 17 designers oh my god um that would, yeah programmers would have made more sense 17 designers four programmers and like five artists yeah so we we pumped out a unreal engine 3 multiplayer game okay um which is actually kind of funny because i went to school between 2007 and 2009 so something happened in the middle of that yeah like a big kind of iphone comes out economic meltdown yeah um so shifting yeah so it's kind of funny with all the games using unity arguably our game looked better because we were using we were using like more powerful tech at the time um but yeah, I did that. Then had like a real hard time getting work. Oh, really? Which is yeah. was kind of a wake up because when you're going to those schools, they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh yeah, we have a hundred percent hire no rate, no problem." And like, you'll have no. There's so many jobs. I mean, it's 2007, so maybe it was- there were a lot more jobs in Vancouver. Um, you know, in the game industry, then we've had you know we've had a lot of jobs leave the city. Not, I mean, the game industry is still, I would say, growing, but obviously, but. Uh, there were a lot more studio, traditional studio jobs in Vancouver at that time. Yeah. Than probably there are today. Um, and then, apply to Big Sandwich, which is where I first worked with you. Who doesn't like a Big Sandwich? Uh, some people. People conscious of their diet. Yeah. Maybe people not that hungry. Yeah. Grilled cheeses arguably get smaller when they're getting grilled. Yeah, well, but, so, but that's a good reason to start even bigger. Yeah, but you still it, want it to be filling when it's done. Yeah, and and really the whole toasting thing, I'm not on. I like certain sandwiches toasted a Reuben, but this whole bit of hey, we toast everything now. The Quiznos revolution. Well, you I call BS on that. You don't want lettuce on a fucking oven. Like you don't want to put lettuce no. and toast that. That's not what you do. You toast your meat, bread, and cheese, yeah. and put the stuff on top afterwards, and you deal with it. It's too dry when it's toasted. When it's untoasted, it's still a little bit. You know, yeah, but and then it affects been, its way into Subway. You go into Subway specifically so you don't have to deal with the toasted sandwich, and then they're pressuring you to toast. The thing is, they're putting so much like I associate sandwich places with putting a lot of the stuff on it, like very yeah. juicy sandwiches. So I kind of like the crispier. Oh yeah. Um, hmm. I, you know, it's all about what the toppings are, I guess, and yeah. what sort of sandwich. But in general, yeah. I find it really crispy and dry, and then it's kind of like in the morning, I have trouble eating toast, but I'd like to eat bread. I like toast. Yeah. Like, I'd like have I a roll in the morning with butter, great. 
Yeah, I'm toast. more of a toast guy than I kind of want my bread slightly warm and, mm. and a little bit firmer. It makes it easier to deal with. Um, but luckily, or I don't know, unluckily, didn't work at Big Sandwich for like eight months or six months after taking an interview. Hmm? Like oh, I, you inter- had an interview I, and I interviewed there was a big in, gap? Yeah. Ah. Like there was a huge gap. So I kind of just made a game. Well, we did everything we could not to hire you, but then we eventually well, had to. Yeah, I got. Uh, I so got you it. made a game. Oh, you I made, just made a game. So you made iHeart Shift. I made iHeart Shift, which is an X and A game. Now, when you write to people and email about iHeart Shift, do you do I and then the heart symbol shift? Well, that's that's I one thing you learn real quick. Is a lot of people called it like I love shift. Oh yeah. Um, a didn't also think about like shift sounding like shit. Oh, yeah. Like, the reviews kind of write themselves. Not that it reviewed poorly, but you kind of go, ooh, like, you see a couple yeah. nasty comments, and you're <laughs> like, ooh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Um, yeah, I, um, when we, you know, made Horde, we didn't, I didn't always think about the, yeah, the phonetic. Or the hoarding. Horde. When you say Horde to people, you know, it can have, it, it's, it's a tough one. Well, also the hoarding, like, revolution of well, I, reality TV. Like, you type in Horde, you're going to get a lot of... Well, you that, might get some dragons. That stuff, would actually be get, good, because a surprising amount of people don't know what the word H-O-A-R-D means. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know. And so, you know, and then, God forbid, you'd be confused with W-H-O-R-E-D, you know, which is just uh, a completely different thing. So... Yeah. Um, but, okay, I heard No, oddly shift. released the same week as Need for Speed Shift. Which... My iHeart Shift. Oh, really? So, like, going, oh, yeah. like browsing all the websites, like, it was, like, right there with it. Because it would, like, come up with similar filters to yeah. so Need just, for Speed Shift. But, yeah, XNA was a platform that let you use your Xbox 360 as a development kit. Yeah. And you pay the money, and then it shows up on the marketplace. It's right. still on the marketplace, though, because I live in Canada, and I went to a bad um, notary person. Yeah. I was never able to get any money from it. Like, I mean, it's got, like, it's made, like, $80, but the thing is the notary fee and signing up for Creative Club again. Okay, I thought you meant, like, the notary was, like, shaking you down for the money. Well, no, I paid the the notary person, sent it out, and they were like, no, we don't, because I needed a... International oh, tax number. Oh, I thought you just meant you were in the red, but you're saying basically Microsoft didn't recognize all your paperwork correctly, yeah. and then you can't get paid. And of course, wow. you have to be a gold member, and yeah. you would, I don't even know if it's still around, but you have to be a gold member, you have to be... Right. Um, There's a lot of requirements. You have to pay like a, a certain monthly fee to be a, yeah. a developer, so I just kind of went, never yeah. mind. Yeah. I mean, I don't, don't go out and buy it in supporting me. Yeah. Well, um, Iron Shift is yeah cool. I'm sure people can see screenshots on your your website probably, huh? Yeah. I you mean, if have... you go to kiermyron.com, you can see some stuff. Right, okay. As well as tylersigmund.com has things on it. It, it does. Yeah. It, it it will have even more things once I we get are, back to. We are very lucky that we got both kiermyron.com and tylersigmund.com. Page that they to have taken. a somewhat irregular name. Yes, and yeah. if when I have a kid. I'm naming it, and I'm getting them a URL. Yeah. Are you going to... Day one. Are you going to pick the name based on... Do your domain search uh, first. That's a good question. Then name the kid, right? That's actually... that. I honestly would put that into a concern. I'm like, oh, man, I really want to call them, like, Joe Smith, but... Like, Joe Smith's <laughs> so like, is not taken. Or it's like, uh, yeah, Harry 23. <laughs> That'll be his official name. Yeah, like, I... Like I, Harry I luckily have the... Man. The privilege of getting like Kiermaier on Twitter. Yeah, I mean you have Tyler Sigmund on Twitter. Yeah, um, like I never get referred to as the other Kier. Yeah, um, 
Well, there was, yeah, I remember it also, yeah, it's a matter of, um, generation and happening to, happening to have been computer savvy, you know, back when domains were still available and things, yeah. you know, is, is an advantage. It's kind of like, I think back to being in the right place at the right time in past ages of history, you know, like, oh, the gold, ru- the land rush or the, you know, and this is obviously a much stupider, smaller version, but, you know, yeah. okay, I happen to be computer savvy about the time when now if only I had grabbed a bunch of domains that were valuable. Yes. But, um, but then I didn't it, have that. I guess I could have had that privilege if I was a strapping like 12 year old using my allowance to buy like Nike.com or something. Oh yeah. Right. I guess I could have done that, but I mean, you really messed up. Me? Yeah. Like you could have bought so many domains. Yeah. But then they, didn't they have all the, you could have bought JenverBroncos.com. All the squatting, but yeah. The trick is to find one that's not completely obvious. Or, or not, you know, you, you're not going to win sitting on Coca-Cola.com. But, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, not now, but not if now, you, yeah. Back in the yes, back if in you the get like knitting.com, you probably got a fifty thousand dollar check. Yeah, that's yes, exactly. Uh, like a trade, not trademark infringement, but yeah, the you know the per, proverbial sex.com, right? Which, yeah, but um, but I had a really weird thing where so IR Shift came out. I had one other interview at Electronic mm-hmm. Arts, and then you... Oh, we're and naming then, names. And, Look at that. Yeah, well, I mean, whatever. Those are the two interviews I've had. Yeah. Ever. Wow. Just because i loyal or whatever. Yeah. But um, then I started at Big Sandwich. So okay. then it was whatever that took place. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I got in. I don't know. I that's had a cool. demo that one of the programmers seemed to find cool. And that seemed to get me on the short list. Yeah. Which was a demo I made in... Because I had, like, another day to work on my portfolio. And as a programmer, the portfolio is kind of not really... Mm-hmm. Like, it's a, it's a thing that's always in development. And I had an option of polishing for a day or just make something new. Mm-hmm. So I was able to make make something uh, that caught the attention of one of the programmers at Big Sandwich. Was and it a Matrix screensaver? No. Okay. It was a... Uh, I thought that's what everyone's supposed to do. A screensaver? A matrix screensaver. You know, with the green numbers cascading down? I I don't know. I mean, one of the, like, as back to the game developer thing, yeah. one of my favorite things was I somehow ended up being the head of HR at Big Sandwich for art. Well, that's... Like, when that's, we... Cause they'd that mail, might be stretching it a little bit. Well, but they'd be... Okay. They gave Just me, for legal purposes. Yeah. but I guess, yeah. But, um, like, when we get mailed... But the acting. We would have got mailed... I was definitely acting like it. We would get mailed um, demo reels. Yeah. I'd want to watch them. I just find that so cool. Like, mm-hmm. just that somebody's sending me all the models they made. Yeah. And I can see what type of weird music they chose or what video format they mm-hmm. made or how they formatted their resumes and... Yeah, that's one of the hard parts, I think, of... Uh, well, hard, I, I obviously, no one cares about that, but when you're when you're a company and, you know, you get a lot of applications and, and that's cool, but then it really, it's hard to sift through and that's why so many people hire people they know, you know, because they, or someone can vouch for someone. That's not unique to this industry. It's every industry, but that's why it's so hard to take a stack of, it's kind of like looking for the next great screenplay. Yeah. You know, there's a stack of a hundred. There might be one in there which is awesome, 
you know, mm-hmm. completely awesome. But think of all of the things that have to go right to, you know, get that read by someone who can appreciate it, get it referred on to someone. So yeah, you, yeah. you would help in. I mean, really, no one wants to sit around and watch demo reels unless but they I have do. to. But you do. Like, it's is- fun. Like, that's <laughs> so cool. I mean, have you heard the strategy? If you get a stack of resumes, you just wipe the top half because you want to work with somebody lucky. <laughs> I remember this from you. <laughs> I can't, I'm not affirming or denying whether we ever did that, but I think that's a funny, funny concept. Um, so, but, but, I, but I always had the problem. Have you exhausted their good luck by that point? Oh, maybe, like yeah. maybe you need to, it's like thinking two steps ahead in a strategy game. You're, um, or, you know, thinking ahead of the faint. So if, if, uh, if you're going to get rid of the top half of the stack, but that means the bottom half was lucky, but now they've exhausted luck, so maybe you should actually keep the top half because they were unlucky for that decision, but they'll be lucky for the next thing when you, you need it. You throw out the top half, then grab one out of there. Oh, and they're yeah. the luckiest of the unlucky, yeah. and then you add that back to the pile. So really you should – and you there should be a rule you have to interview that person. Like you go to the stack, you pull one out at random. And everyone has to agree, we're interviewing that person no matter what, right? Yeah. No matter, even if it's a misfiled, it's like a guy who, you know, is an accountant and accidentally this got submitted because we asked for someone good with numbers or something. And, uh, that, that would be, that'd be, that'd be interesting. I mean, I find so much about the industry interesting. Like today, um, it came to my knowledge that what happened to, uh, somebody I know, is that well, somebody that's took vague booking? Well, I'm just whatever. Kidding. Yeah, go ahead. I, mean, I don't know if it's, no, no, I don't want to. Do but somebody good. took. They'll know who they are. They took a resume and changed the name, changed the school, and handed that in. So really? it would be like, really? oh, my name's Kier okay. and I've done everything you've done. Like oh, okay, this explains a post on my social networks today from a from a friend, yeah, okay, former so. colleague who who said. Have you ever seen this plagiarized a resume? And it's just it's just so interesting. Really? So someone actually well ah, but try this on for size. Who's the plagiarist? That guy, or was the first guy the plagiarist? And that guy's legit. Well, no, because it's yeah, you literally literally the work experience of the person. Oh yeah, like it is like I have worked. Oh, oh did someone plagiarize someone you you know? Like, yeah, you know, like oh, I know them, and okay. basically one of they were friends with an HR person in another company, and they were like, oh, I got a resume. That is exactly like your resume, like the same work experience. You worked at this company mm-hmm. for this long and this company for this long, but it's not your name. It's somebody yeah, else's but, name. Yeah, but they may have worked there. I mean, I run into people all the time in Vancouver. No, well, that's it like, was the company hey, we I worked company, at. Then company, then this company. Like, it's the company I work at now. Okay. So, but I know I know they don't work there. Let me jump. Oh, I see what you're saying. So, they're just, like, they're blanket copying the experience. Like, they're saying, oh, I've, oh I just. So, they figure they'll get in the door and then no one will care after that point. I guess, but don't you think? Because at that point you have to be either, well, I mean, that's either complete buffoon move or someone is being exceptionally what they think is crafty, but is still a buffoon move. But I mean, it's like making up your resume, completely understand why somebody would do that. But taking somebody else's. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, easier to, it's easier to, otherwise you'd have to create something. It'd be easier to make it up. Yeah. Like, well, no, I'm saying it isn't because you can copy and paste. To make it up, you actually have to think through and think, okay, what am I going to say I did? And see, someone else has done the heavy lifting for you. But the thing is, this would have never come up if they made it up. Yeah. The only reason this came up is because they stole 
somebody tried to steal somebody's work identity to be like, I worked at company A for two years and I worked at company B for two years when they haven't. Yeah. And the only and and you have your contact information. Like it's not like mm-hmm. email me back if you think this resume looks good. It's like no, here's your name. Yeah. Which unless you're lying about that, that's not going to come through on the mm-hmm. the blank void check, right? Yeah. Like that's not going to play with medical benefits. Well, like I, a fake name. All I can say is thank God for um, Google and stuff now because, like, I taught I taught game theory for a while too, and you know there'd be occasionally someone would turn in a paper or, or something. And you're you're just thinking this paper does not jive with this person. So all you have to do grab the first sentence, copy, paste into Google, boom, there it is, right? And and that happened. Actually, that happened uh, during my MBA program. Oh uh, wow! One of our like team, yeah, one of our team members, uh, you know, who who hadn't really been contributing a lot and, and things like that, and then all of a sudden comes up with this three page treatise on something. You're just kind of going, this doesn't really jive. So I did the same thing: copied a paragraph, paste into Google. Dead yeah. plagiarism. I'm just thinking, really. So, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's good that there's more tools out there to quickly find that stuff out now. This is not and, something uh, you could like easily. But this find. isn't. No, because this is you need to know the person. But in general, I guess the act of plagiarism. And also, like, but, I, I just want to like, I want to know how this works out. Like, yeah. does he actually get to a company and is like, oh yeah, like I totally worked on Minecraft, and nobody ever calls his bluff. Yeah, I like. I want to know if this person is that ballsy or just that dumb like if he's that ballsy is he like does he walk into the resume and goes or or the interview and goes this resume was a lie i copied it yeah now i'm gonna explain to you why you should hire me yeah there you i mean i i think obviously that would have problems but there it's kind of like this gordon gecko kind of uh well go get her the ends justify the means it would be an interesting story right it would almost be better it would definitely be better than someone who just was trying to fly under the radar and, you know. Like, cause they're not only lazy enough to rip off a resume, they're lazy enough to even create it genuinely. Like, they're not only lying, they are plagiarizing their lie. You could appreciate the strategy of someone who lies on their resume to get their foot in the door. I'm not saying this is okay in the, in the yeah. industry, by the means, but you can appreciate the, or even the, the sheer balls of doing it in such an obvious way that could be fine out. But, but yeah, uh, but anyway. like all that oh. stuff because that stuff relates to games like this well, is a story that will affect the way a game was developed and that's yeah. the stuff I find so interesting yeah like all these weird little like things well you're you're bringing up the whole divide the resumes in two and you're either lucky or not um, reminds me of because you mentioned how you got into games so we'll tie it back into how I got into games and I I remember um, it took me I was doing a lot of board games on the side so I had another career before and I was doing board games at night Designing board games and card games and things, which so is a. Did you just have friends over to play them? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's easy. You get, yeah, you play test with your friends, or you go to conventions and play tests and things like that. And uh, did those ever go like really poorly? Yeah. Well, sometimes. Well, I mean, define really poorly. Like I like in the one of the few game design classes you take yeah. as a programmer. We were doing board games. It's yeah. like, I've never really even designed a game, and I'm making this board game, and I'm like, this seems cool. Mm-hmm. Guy comes over to test it while the teacher's marketing it and just... Hammers it? Completely just breaks it. it. Yeah. Like, he finds this loophole where he basically is impossible to lose. Yeah. And it's just like... Yeah, that stuff happens. But, I mean, that's what you actually want to happen as much as it sucks. I, yeah. I mean, you try to design to prevent it, but you'd rather it happens then, I guess, to some degree. But no, there was yeah. a, for me, the worst playtest sessions, and I still have problems with this, are, yeah, when it's not fun, it sucks, right? But that's just part of, and I, I actually hate, I hate playtesting, but I, I do it because you, you have to. 
I hate doing the it. whole act of doing it. Yes. Oh, I hate testing so No, much. no, I mean, I hate being a tester, but I also hate bringing my games to take play test. It doesn't mean this stops me, because I'm smart enough to know that's a vital part of the process. Yeah. But it's horrible, because it's kind of like saying, here, here's... Here's my creation. Now shit all over it. Because that's really what you want to happen is people to try to break it or whatever. Yeah. But um, So, yeah, there's plenty of tough... I think the toughest thing about being a designer for me is you put a lot of work into something, and sometimes it's just not good. And what what I've gotten better at over the years is knowing when, when to kill it. Yeah. You know, when not to keep trying to go... Like, some things are fixable. And mm-hmm. so you don't want to get discouraged and something goes wrong and you just throw the game out. That's That's bad. But there are times that a game, just a concept or a key mechanic is broken or it's just not good or not fun. Yeah. And you have to eventually learn this is not savable in its current state. You know, you can you can save a lot of things, but you can't save a fundamental flawed concept. You might later turn that into something. So a horde, going back to horde, like I yeah. would say the first the first board game prototype of horde was just not fun. I mean it doesn't mean it was the worst game in the world. There's plenty of games worse than that out on the market, but uh, but I knew it wasn't to the level that I thought it could have been or or should be. Yeah. And so and I knew that it was fundamentally about the core mechanic in the game. It was it was kind of a dumb roll and move core mechanic, and it was awful. And I realized that that couldn't ever be saved. Like I could save all these other parts, but unless I redesign the game, kind of not necessarily from scratch, but the core. So there's an example. Then later on down the line, we harness a lot of the the important parts about the game and made it into a video game and it ended up working, which was great. Yeah. But anyway. Um, but you learn a lot from just yeah. having to throw out games. Yeah, and if anyone's out there, you know, either aspiring designer or a practicing designer, I mean, just you, you'll stuff. know that it's hard, It's very hard to have a high success rate in terms of everything you design. It's going to be fun. So you, it's okay to fail and you learn, you learn what's good and what's bad. And I think... Um, uh, that's just part of the process, right? But emotionally, you can get really tied to it. So, yeah. um, but what was, it, what was I saying? Oh yeah. So like, it was it was tough to um, break into digital for a while for me. But the point about the randomness is there are so many things about breaking in. And anyone who's listening who's trying to break in, you know, this is this will either be really encouraging. Oh wow, we got some music going on. Yep. Um, not licensed. Phone call. Okay. Yeah, not licensed. So we're not going to say what it was. But this will either be encouraging or really discouraging, which is there's a shitload of randomness in how you break in. And I remember once I, you know, finally broke in as a full-time designer, uh, you know, this was highly exciting for me in my life. But um, I would talk to other designers about how do you break in, you know? Because I had this long journey that was a lot of work to get there. Um, it was not an overnight thing. And I remember talking to people who were just saying, well, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And my brother worked at a video game company, and they needed a guy to come in and just, like, work on the game. So then I got hired as a designer. And then some of those guys have gone on to become very great designers, and then some of them are not so good. But I remember just wanting to pull my hair out at the, at the thought that, you know, thinking of this whole epic journey of me getting to become a, a fully employed designer, and then people that literally fell into it, you know, accidentally, and then found yeah. they've got this great career. Because it tends to be a coveted career. But um, but there is a shitload of randomness. But, you know, you can at least slant the table in your favor by doing a lot of work. <laughs> you know, yeah. for, by at least, you're, you're probably not going to... It's not a good strategy to sit around and hope that someone you know desperately needs a game designer and you're the guy. Nowadays, that won't fly. But um, but it's funny how people come into it. Well, that's right? what everybody wants to be a game designer. Yeah, do you think they still do? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think everybody I'm, I think everybody cares. Everybody has an opinion about how games should be made. Yeah. 
So yeah, I th- if you're in games, I mean, there might be some like person who has no like yeah. doesn't really care at all. He's just a robot. But I mean, every single person from that the you're gonna run into, if you're like, hey, would it be better if the dude had a sword or an axe? Yeah, and they're like axe. Like it's it, a chance to create. So I think yeah, people, most people. I mean, you get into game development most of the time from a love of games. There are exceptions where people are just really into the craft of whatever solving coding problems or whatever. But usually it's the love of games. So you want to. I think it's. I wonder if it's different than movies though. Or do you think everyone who gets into movies wants to be? I guess everyone who gets into movies wants to be an actor. Well, well, the actors aren't really. I know, but actors the, are pieces. I know, but the conception is. That the actors they get the fame. I mean, they get the fame and the and yeah, they get the fame and the kudos and directors, of course, too. But yeah, but interestingly, I think more people probably want to be actors than directors. I don't think there's nearly as many people because you know you know what I mean. Like if you want to be a director, you're going to be out with the Super Eight video camera or or camera and or the yeah. whatever. But in but I think in games, yeah, almost everyone wants to. Design doesn't mean solely design. Well, the other thing is everybody might not actually want to do the design work. And I think that's where the actual designers come out. It's because I remember in in one of my game design classes, the person brought up an Excel sheet and was like, hope you guys like math because that's all I do. So good luck. Boom. And all the all the like really story based designers were like, oh no, like I don't want to, I don't want to have to figure out percentages and random like well designers counter numbers. Designers take a lot of flack too because well all all the people like programmers and artists who usually have to show portfolios to get jobs, you know they they have a small amount of resentment for designers because it's like the one. It's the discipline where you don't have to show any any ability. Of course, you really do, and a good a good hiring process will weed that out. But I think traditionally. Um, a lot of designers get hired as people who are knowledgeable about games or can talk games, mm-hmm. but that's a totally different skill set, you know. And so I think I, I a lot of my buddies, you know, programmer and artist buddies, they they resent that because an artist, I mean, you can't go in and just say, yeah, I really like Photoshop and there's a fucking tool here. I mean, it's, you got to show a yeah. portfolio, you got to get it through the gates of Cure. And I mean, the programming, um, the programming. Oh, I, I honestly think they only handed me one, so there was no way we were going to hire on what artists? Yeah, no. No, it was a. I mean, we we had other gates to to look at because we we're not relying on you to be an art director. Well, but. the other thing too is I want to see bad resumes and I want to see bad. Yeah, well, there's a portfolios. Certain, there's a certain humor value in in you know so, which, which we probably you know when but. you actually show me a good demo reel and a good portfolio, it's like yeah, of course you want to hire this guy. I yeah. got no more nothing else to say. But yeah, I think I think everybody. I mean, with programming, like it's funny because in the last part of school, it was like question after question of just these like programming questions that you might have to do where you show up and they're like okay well i need you to write a function for capitalizing all the letters in a Mm -hmm. in a string a string being oh so they're prepping you for the interview like they're prepping me like okay and like like recursively go through all the elements in a tree and like they prep you for all these questions and it's really nerve-wracking, at least for me, because it's like, what if I go there and I don't know the answer? I mean, it's not that it... Yeah. Like, if you can actually solve it through help, that's not going to kill you if you don't get the question right, but you want to have those failures, like, mm-hmm. not in your interview, where oh, yeah. you're up on a whiteboard in front of people writing stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, you always dread when I, I graduated engineering and... You, everyone knew and we'd all talk about the interviews, like when we're all interviewing in the last, you know, couple months of our, of, of university. 
And I was like, what questions are they going to ask? Because you know they're going to bust out some technical questions. And it's spot. It's spot checking, right? Yeah. So you can't prep for everything, but you're you're hoping. So one time um, I got I got really lucky. Hopefully this doesn't uh, – well, this hopefully doesn't erode anyone's confidence in me. But um, but I had a phone interview at a really, really cool place. And they asked me a bunch of technical questions. I did pretty well. You know, I didn't get them all, but yeah. I did pretty well. And the the couple I missed, I mean, I'm, you know, I missed and it, it, I had the knowledge, but, you know, whatever. It's hard to sometimes remember. Or maybe a couple you forget, whatever. But anyway, I... I got I got the next level interview. I got an on site, so they flew me down, went on site. I get the on site interview. The guy asked me the same questions, and I ace them right because oh, I you know, I remember check, what I missed to check if you're prepared. Um, no, he he just you know they interview a lot of people. He doesn't mm-hmm. remember exactly what and and he you know I ace the I ace the answers. He says you know you're the only person who's come in here and gotten all ten correct. You know and I, I just shook his hand, and took the job right because I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. But so I mean I, I like to think okay look I, I did get a lot of them right anyway but. Yes, I went back and studied the ones I missed and corrected my stuff and remembered, and I'm Johnny on the spot of that shit. But, uh, but I just, you know, there's those moments you, it, it's almost, you want to have those house of cards moment. Um, I don't know if anyone watched the house of cards, but where he talks show. to the camera, he breaks the fourth wall. Yeah. You know, those moments with yourself where you just want to turn to the camera and say, well, that was fortunate, you know, something like that, like that he asked me the same questions twice. And, but I kind of worried he might, yeah, or I thought he might at first say, yeah, uh, you know, good, I remember you missed those two. But no, it was just exactly what it sounded. It was pretty funny. But, well, the great thing uh, seize your opportunities, that's the moral. That's yeah, always. Um, pretty much seize anything you can get. No, just kidding. Um, programming interviews. Yeah. Are good because the questions they ask can be. They're like, kind what's of, five in binary? That was it's not even. That was that. It's, it's not even that because that has an answer. Yeah, like the the actual ones where you have to write like a function on a board. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, the cool thing about that is it's it's kind of a real spectrum um, of what is a right answer. Because like if you're just looking, it doesn't do what it's supposed mm-hmm. to do. Then yes, and then you can start drilling down to performance. Oh yeah, you can start drilling into well, why did you do this? Yeah, and it, it it and also it helps if you don't necessarily know or you forget like a certain mm-hmm. or a key part. They can help you along. So it seems like a really good way of just yeah. of seeing how far they're going to take it and seeing what questions they ask and 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 kind of taking it from there. That's um, cool. There's a good uh, not well okay we should wrap up the interview stuff like the interview section but yeah. there's a good book out there are you smart enough to work at Google it's pretty fun because I guess like Google and some of those new hip places you know well oh, new yeah. and hip but they ask all the really weird questions yeah um, so it's kind of a fun read just to go through it's like all these just mind bending testing how how orthogonally you think in these things but um, but you know what we should wrap up because this has gone really long but I suppose. You know, you're driving in the car, people are listening. It's good to have content, right? Um, yeah, explicit content, by the way, in case you don't know. If you're sitting there what with What do you your mean, kid, explicit, like, words? We s- Yeah, we swear a little. Yeah. So in, in I mean... It in might happen. Network TV, you know, they show more and more every year. So I don't know, are we enough to get the explicit lyrics? Yeah. You think? That's a precautionary okay. thing. I mean, that get that basically avoids annoyed parents. Yeah, that's true. Because we may bust out with an F-bomb at any moment. But I think in general, we've... We've, you know, uh, acted with some amount of decorum. I just thought we were talking. Okay, we're talking. So, but, oh, but the things I want to wrap up. But how did you get in from board games? You're just making board games. Some guy's like, I'm your brother. I need somebody to design a video game. That's exactly what happened. Come with me. No, I, um, gosh, 
Well, the board game stuff, yeah, didn't. Um, it's very hard to make a living board games. Some people do it, but um, and I still love board games, and you know, you got crows board games. and things like that, and other. Yeah, probably. I don't know. There's probably eight board games of various levels of print quality that I've that I've had published. But uh, no, I eventually um, decided to leave my last career, and I was going to go get. What is that last career for trivia's sake? Um, engineering. <laughs> sure, I'm an engineering guy too. Aerospace engineer. I was a, a structural analyst. And, and uh, that was especially so, like stress analysis of advanced composite aerospace components was you know carbon fibers and things like that was my specialty. Yeah. Basically, does shit break? That was my job. Is sit uh, around, not, that's not sit the around, sick. Um, it's like my job is to make sure shit doesn't break. I guess, which was kind of a weird job, which you know would be a good discussion for another time. But it trains you to think about every possible thing that can go wrong, which still infects my life today. Because you know you want okay. If you're flying and you get struck by lightning, hit by a bird, and hit a gust, and hit a tornado, and your first hydraulic cable fails, you know, can the plane land? Um, that's the kind of stuff you're you're putting together, and you know all these worst case extreme scenarios, and so that starts infecting your life where you're thinking, okay, I need to plan for this, for this, and this, and, and everyone who knows me knows, you know, I can I can sometimes get bogged down in analysis paralysis because analysis is what I'm good at. It was my career for a long time. Um, yeah, it can infect your life in that way, which is funny because you're always thinking of what every possible thing that could go wrong and just how how much do you want to design your life around that. Um, the answer is I don't know. You can't worry about all of it. But anyway, did you ever work on a board game in a garage? In a garage. Like, were you ever making games in a garage? I never lived in. Like I, I'm an apartment. Person. I probably cut some games out in the garage. Most of the time is just in like second bedroom or, you know, at work. You know, stealing the printer time or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah. Oh man, yeah. I the one time I had to print out a board game. Don't envy that at all. Oh, like, I did that so much. I had so to laminate much. something because I made a yeah. shuffleboard sellers or sh- shuffleboard like game. Yeah, yeah. And it was just welcome to board game prototyping. Yeah, going to the, Kinko's, they have no idea how to print something yeah, big. Yeah. It's it's a um, prototyping a yeah, whole other thing which it's um, this, that's, is great, this is straight to production. I'm in a Kinko's one one oh, copy man. only. Oh okay, Limit, in my limited edition. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, I did a lot of including early PDF board game sales, which is pretty cool. Uh, I was an early PDF pioneer. Like I was one of the before there was all these services that do it. You know, there were just these very few early merchants where you could post a PDF file and then tra- you know charge money for it. This is like 1999-ish. Wow. Yeah. And that was like crazy. The whole idea of you're buying a virtual good. It was still new. You know, that like we, now we take everything for granted, right? But it was it was kind of trailblazing at the time. Um, and anyway, there was a lot of fun to do with that stuff. But I eventually, I eventually went and took some classes at the film school. I'm in town. I took a screenwriting class and I took, I took a game design class because I had only ever, I like, had done a lot of game design, but it was all self-taught. Like, there was no reason, there were no resources. I didn't know anyone other than maybe meeting someone at a convention, but, um, but it was really the networking that got me the job. That's the short answer. Yeah. Um, well, okay. To be fair, the, all the work I did learning and making and then having a portfolio was done before, but then the networking was the key piece. That yeah. I was that's missing. where you get in. Cause I sent lots of resumes in before that and would occasionally get an interview, but I could never get a job. And I don't know, maybe that just, says I'm horrible but uh but then the minute I made a network like virtually instantly so shout out to to the guys that that hired me here but um do you feel like with designers it's it's extremely important to have a 
like good personal uh, chemistry? You know, I don't think that's the most important quality, but I would say it depends on what type of design. Design is now so broad that it's 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 really not right to just say a designer. You know, there's systems designers and narrative designers. There's uh, and then there's designers who are awesome at you know bearing into the details on balancing. But those guys are never going to be. I'm not saying everyone who's good at that can't do this, but what I'm saying is sometimes there's someone who's really good at that and never has the potential to say lead a big game. Um, and there are some people that have all those skills, but the point yeah. being, it it is a big part of design to interact with others, because aside from the fact that uh, all the other reasons why that might be good, you want to get your way, and the only way you're going to get your way in it is teams grow is by making allies, and and I'm not saying being diplomatic for the sake of diplomacy, but yeah. no one wants to work with someone who lords it over people. And even worse, and everybody hates a designer who lords it over people, but they don't have the track record or the credentials. Oh. Like, people can kind of stomach a designer who's who's a prima donna, but has, like, a stellar track record. And by stellar, yeah. I mean... Like, like, well, like right. big time, yeah. Like, whatever. I mean, who knows how he treats his staff, but I guarantee there's lots of... And I, I know for a fact from people who've worked with some bigger name, you know, big name designers, yeah. that it's not always pleasant, right? But when you're like, um, oh, you invented a genre. Okay, yeah. sure. Yeah, I'll you, listen to what you, you want to... Because yeah, okay. you're also, you're mortgaging the business success of the game on that person. But the problem is a lot of up-and-coming designers, um, you know, want to be those people, but are not those people yet. And then they lord it over people and with no track record. And that, that, that is why lots of people hate, <laughs> hate yeah. designers. But, I, I don't but yeah, you gotta, you gotta I think if you're hating at, designers, um, you're like, that's kind of, you're kind of messing up. I, like, I, yeah, like if you're like, oh man, I hate the people who are really in charge of the content that, yeah, like, Content creation or gets in the game like it's all do, about competence. Really wanna... It's all about competence. I I'm only referring because I I think I talk to colleagues a lot about just the perception of designers and being a designer those things hit close to home. But the reality is, no one wants to work with dead weight on any discipline. I look at yeah. it like a military analogy. You know, you're going to war. You want the guy in the foxhole next to you to know how to shoot straight. And you know, and just like any job, there's always a lot of dead weight. And so, and I truly believe you can really only create something great when you have, you know, lots of great talent. Um, happy accidents happen, but, or dumb accidents maybe in that case. But yeah. Um, but what was I saying? Oh yeah. But so yeah, you want to be personable if you can. You at least need to be able to communicate. You need to be able to communicate your, your thought. So if yeah. you're saying, look, this should be this way. And everyone says, no, that's dumb. You, you need to be you, able to back it up. You need to be able up. to say, well, here's why. Um, you know, and that, that, Someone who can communicate well and think well and work well with a team, those people are, yeah, they've got good potential for, you know, but if you're, if you're more of an introverted type and hate working with people, well, thank God now you can just make your own indie game and you don't have yeah. to like people. It's or you okay. can work remotely or, yeah. like, I mean, you can, you definitely design around working with each other. Don't like, don't you're a more technical designer yeah. than most I've met. So it's like, oh, I can just, force a bunch of Excel bullshit onto you. Yeah. Just, and not have to do as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or I can break it down and, and speak technically with you or... Yeah, I think the one thing you will never succeed at as a designer and probably any other career is if you aren't actually working and creating the work. You know, it's the old... I use it a lot in, in various talks, but 
a lot of people want to have written, they don't want to write, you know, and yeah. just extend that analogy to everything else. You want to be the guy with your name on the cover and signing books, but do you want to be the person? And by the way, I use guy interchangeably as a person. So yeah, um, well, you board game people are very like it's, pro it's not key, meant to be pro a gender. guy. Well, no, I, mean, I just I am loose with my. So I pull up the crow's pronouns. rule book. It it says he slash she. Uh, it might even say she, but I don't remember. Cause, uh, I don't remember how he read it, wrote it, and I also don't remember how it ended up being edited, but we yeah. can, we can. I know uh, most board games I read, it's yeah. all he, this. Yeah, so, cause it's like, do you want to do his. they, and sometimes they is not grammatically correct, so whatever. It depends on your editor and then whatever. But, uh, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah. Howard, bring it back to, you know, wrap up this epic podcast, which actually is good, cause we got lots of material. This is the longest podcast in Ever of any podcast ever? Definitely not. But if we lose this, that would suck. Yeah, and it would suck. But then it's like writing. Then you you rewrite it uh, faster and better. Oh, we just uh, we just lost the uh, screensaver. Whoa, um. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> oh, oh, we're back. Okay, so. Um, not really sure what actually happened you might not even experience the gap in your listening, but this is the funniest thing ever. After you saying, "If we lose this, we're effed." Evidently, his his screensaver is set to one hour. Ain't no screensaver. That, oh, but that's that monitoring going to sleep. sleep. Oh man! So, so we we uh, it really we thought we lost it there. So <laughs> that is so funny. Um, okay, but let's wrap this up. There's a couple messages we want to give to you, dear listener. One, that, Tyler Sigmund makes games. Kira Myron makes games. Um, of intensive program I tend to design, but we both love making games. We won't, we both, we've made a bunch of games. Yeah. Uh, some of those games have done really well, uh, critically. Right, I, and, I think, I think all the games that we've worked on together, I'm decently proud of. You know, there's been a variety, but the point is we've, uh, we've made some cool stuff. Um, there's a lot of other things we've done and we hope, you know, through the, the follow on cast when we're doing our random topics, um, yeah, you're getting a little perspective, I guess, of, of um, just of what people who are doing it, you know, why for good or bad, it. for like, for yeah, good and bad, and some smart, some some dumb stuff. But uh, that that's a little more perspective. And if you want to know any more, you said yeah. If you want to know about making games or or board games or anything, what the chasecast at gmail dot com. Or yeah, you want to hear us talk opine about random stupid stuff because that tends to be the funnest. Um, then yeah, and your questions are encouraged. We will answer them. Yeah, and I have to say, early podcast, well, you have a very good chance of getting your questions. Yeah, yeah, no, email. it's it's the chasecast at gmail dot com. Yeah, no, it's big. You could be an important part of the development of this podcast, and um, we're we're not we're doing this for fun, really. That's yeah, the thing I we mean, should say. We're, yeah, we we kind of talk. I mean, yeah, one of my favorite parts about working in games is just like you have a rough understanding that everybody's interested about games. Like, even if yep. they're not up in their knowledge, like, you can bring up whatever current event, yep. whatever type of game, and people are generally, everybody's interested in and has a good level of what we're talking about. And yep. we have these discussions, and then you're like, well, that was a fun discussion. I wish somebody else heard that. Well, I think, I think it's been the different, yeah, the different perspectives are fun in terms of your, your programmer brain, my designer brain, our mutual love for weird business. And you know games in all their forms. So I think that's that's really what the chase cast yeah, like, comes from yeah. is is trying to blend in all those different perspectives and and throw a little bit of of, of course humor in there as well. So whatever. This has got a little dry at the end. I feel like yeah we're I don't it's kind I, of clinical all of a sudden. 
Well, the last two minutes. I mean, the whole podcast comes from the idea that somebody might not know who we are. Yeah. Like, it might not be our close friends. Yeah. Listening right now. But the funny thing is, is although we talked for a long time, we didn't really cover that much. But that's fine. But this is, this is good. This is what they need to know. Little, little bits. Little bits. Uh, so anyway, next time will be the topic. (laughs) Sorry, we can't announce it till the actual fifth recording. Because then people go trade on that stock ahead of time. They'll know it's coming. You can short insider the cash stock. Yeah. Well, I would say long it call options. Long in it. That sounds very risky. No, no, no. Shorting is way more risky than long. Hmm. Short theoretically has no downside, or no, no, no limit to your downside. It has no downside. No limit so to your downside. It like only you, has a dimension on the upside. So let's say you bought shares in the Chase Cast, and then we just. Auger in, we suck and whatever. We go out of yeah. business. You only could ever possibly lose the money that you uh, that you invested in us. Oh, okay. but but if you shorted us and then we get big and go to the moon and then like Zuckerberg's calling us up to like get some custom content for Facebook stuff like that, then um, you could lose an infinity times your uh, your investment. So which doesn't sound fun. It's not fun. So anyway, um, call options on the Chase Cast. And uh, that that's your financial play for the week. I'm Tyler signing off. And I'm trying to record a podcast, so thank you for listening. Bye.